2: on washer and dryer coverage Just call 1-800-686-3910 That's 1-800-686-3910 Again, 1-800-686-3910 Call now This is On Purpose with Justin Barclay
0: Extraordinary stories of ordinary heroes On the Blaze Radio Network
1: This is episode number one With best-selling author, international speaker Success coach and dead guy, Hal Elrod. Welcome to On Purpose. My name's Justin Barclay, reformed radio shock jock, turned inspiration junkie. Each week, we bring you extraordinary stories of ordinary heroes living their daily lives, turning pain into purpose, finding opportunity in the obstacles, and transforming tragedy into triumph. What separates them from the others? How do they stand out above the crowd? We dissect their process and uncover their powerful secrets, the keys to living life on purpose. Okay, so Hal Elrod, best-selling author, dead guy, (laughs) he's the author of The Miracle Morning, The Not-So-Obvious Secret Guaranteed to Transform Your Life Before 8 a.m., and another great book called Life Head-On. He was hit head-on by a drunk driver at 70 miles per hour. He broke 11 bones. He actually died for six minutes and spent six days in a coma, only to wake up to face the news that he may never walk again. Not only did Hal walk again, he went on to run a 52-mile ultra marathon, become a Hall of Fame business achiever and an international keynote speaker, one of the world's top success coaches. He's been featured in the Chicken Soup for the Soul book series, writes for entrepreneur.com, has appeared on radio and TV shows across the country, and that list really goes on and on. Matter of fact, Robert Kiyosaki, author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, calls Howe a genius and says, quote, his book, The Miracle Morning, has been magical in his life. And that's kind of really what Howe's life has been a bit. uh, How magical miracle these are all words that we could use to describe your experience your life and the fact that you're even still here breathing and what you've done with your life and it all really goes back to that word purpose
3: yeah absolutely it uh it's first it's one of those things purpose is like so near and dear to my heart it's something that i I think of all the time every day and I, i i live it and i talk about you know purpose for people to live and For me, it it was really born from tragedy like it is for a lot of people, you know, and I don't think that it has to be. In fact, that's part of my message is like, you don't have to go through what I went through like to tap into your purpose. But when I was 19 years old, I started selling Cutco kitchen knives um, and I was a DJ on the radio back then. So it was like my dream job was to pursue the radio. Buddy of mine convinced me to try this kind of summer job. And what started as a summer job ended up turning into a six year career and I'd broken all these company records and a year and a half into the the my my sales career I was giving a speech at a conference, and I got a standing ovation, which the reason that was significant was my dream had kind of shifted through this whole process of being a radio DJ to being the best Cutco rep in the world to, I thought, I want to be a professional speaker. Like, I want to impact people and inspire people. And um, when I got a standing ovation, it was very affirming. Like, maybe I'm good enough, you know, because we all have that self-doubt and that, that inner voice and But I thought, wow, people like a standing ovation, you know, that maybe if they think I'm good enough, other people would think I'm good enough. And so it was this really high point in my life that at that time, and I was 20 years old driving, I left the speech, you know, I I floated out the door of the, of the, uh, you know, the conference center, I was on top of the world and driving home that night in my brand new Ford Mustang, which, uh, I, another kind of moment of pride for a 20 year old to go buy, you know, your first brand new car. Sure. And, uh, you know, now I look into this consumerism and I would tell my kids (laughs) never to do it, but back then I was proud. And, and so driving home in my new Ford Mustang, um, uh, about 1130 at night, it was late at night and I was, the radio was blaring. And I was bouncing around the car. And um, that's my last memory. So what I'm going to share with you over the next minute or two, I only know this from eyewitnesses and police reports and hospital records. But driving home around 11.30, 7 p.m., give or take, uh, a man I had never met before driving a much larger vehicle. It was a full-size Chevy truck. Uh, He left the bar after he had a couple of beers. And he got on the freeway going the wrong way. And I don't remember the headlights coming at me, but they did at around 1137 PM, this full size Chevy truck doing equal 70 miles an hour like I was, we collided head on 140 mile an hour head on impact you know, uh, smashed the front of my car, windshield shattered, airbag exploded. And believe it or not, the worst was yet to come. My car spun sideways off the drunk driver, leaving my driver's side door a direct target for the car that had been just three car lengths behind me. And at 70 miles an hour, they crashed into my door of my car. And if anybody's listening, just to kind of get an idea, look over your left shoulder and imagine a car hits you in your door at 70 miles an hour. And the left side of my body was destroyed by the left side of my car being smashed by the other vehicle. I instantly broke 11 bones. Uh, My my femur, the biggest bone in the human body, broke in half. Hmm. My pelvis broke in three places. My arm broke in half. My um, elbow shattered. I severed my uh radial nerve, I punctured my lung, ruptured my spleen, my eye socket was destroyed so bad it's all made mm-hmm. of titanium now. Uh my ear was almost completely severed. I don't want to you know get too graphic, but um and I began to lose a lot of blood. Mm-hmm. And an hour later they pulled me out of the car and I was dead. Uh, I was clinically dead for approximately six minutes on the side of the freeway and rushed to the hospital after I was revived uh, s- flatlined twice more in the first couple of days, spent six days in a coma. And when I came out of the coma, it was to the news that, you know, Hal, you're, you've been in a horrific accident. You've got uh, 11 broken bones. You have permanent brain damage. You have no short-term memory. Um, your life's never going to be the same, and you're probably never going to walk again. And, you know, it's, it's, we can get into any details that you want, but I'll just kind of say the rest is, is history, if you will. And um, three weeks later, I took my first step. Um, I had such a positive attitude in the hospital that the doctors thought I was delusional. Let
1: me, let me stop you there because I'm sure people are listening to this, you know, and thinking, hold on, you've, you've just woken up in the hospital to this news and they're telling you horrific things like you may never walk again. Life is never going to be the same. And You have a different outlook. I mean, was your positive outlook was was that from from the beginning of when they said that or 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 not?
3: Yeah, I I mean, for the most part. So what happened was the um, when the doctor said, you know, they called my parents in one day and they said, we're concerned that Hal is uh, in denial. And uh, he's delusional. And we've seen this before with accident victims, essentially. They said, where it's so, what's happened to him is so unimaginable and, and so difficult. Um, he just can't accept it. And so they said, We need you to get to the bottom and find out how he's really feeling. You know, he should be sad and depressed and angry and scared. And, you know, these are all really normal things. And so my dad came in and and kind of asked me, you know, try to get to the bottom of this. And I said, Dad, and here's, this is really the answer. I said, Dad, remember, I live by the five minute rule. I learned that in my Cutco training, which says it's okay to be negative, but not for more than five minutes. Like, there's no point in wishing you could change something that you can't change and being all those things that doctors thought I should be sad, angry, depressed. I said, I can't change this. And I've already thought through there's two possible scenarios. Number one, I will never walk again. The doctors are right. I'll never walk again. And if that's the case, I said, I've already decided I'll be the happiest person you've ever seen in a wheelchair. Because if I'm in a wheelchair, I could be miserable or I could be happy either way I'm in a wheelchair. And and for anybody listening Justin, I wouldn't I would I'd invite you to consider what's your wheelchair? Like what's the circumstance in your past or present that you allow to call, you know, you allow it to create emotional pain for you? When it's out of your control, there's no reason to create emotional pain. You just have to accept it and be at peace with it. And so that's what I did in advance. I said, Dad, I've already accepted the worst case scenario, so I'm not focusing on it. I'm not worrying about it. I'm not I'm not giving it a second thought. The second possibility though is I will walk again. I don't know when, I don't even know if it's possible. But all my energy goes into what I want while I accept what I don't want. I don't think about it. So I said I visualize walking every day, you know, and, and I don't I don't think it's I pray about it, and I don't think it's a coincidence. Justin, that two weeks later, the doctors came in with routine x-rays and they were baffled. They said, we don't know how to explain this, but your body is healing so quickly. We're going to let you take your first step tomorrow. You know, so it went from never walking again to you're going to walk tomorrow. I mean, really, really just pretty incredible.
1: So, so what is that? I mean, it sounds great on the outside, like, uh, you know, maybe something out of like, a motivational poster or, uh, you know, like a rah, rah motivational business speech kind of thing, but. You know, this sounds like this kind of goes a little bit beyond that. Maybe you were dealing with something else. Matter of fact, let's take a good break here. This is a good place for that. When we come back, how you can fill us in on what you went through, whether it was inside of you the whole time or you had to find it. And how can other people do the same thing in harnessing just that perspective, that outlook and what exactly that is as we continue. Justin Barkley. With Hal Elrod, this is On Purpose.
0: This is On Purpose. On On the Blaze Radio Network. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it
1: cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done,
2: I felt like I'd been taken. And dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now.
0: This is On on purpose on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: Welcome back. Justin Barclay with Hal Elrod on purpose. We're talking about how Hal went through this amazing uh, and horrible, tragic accident and yet found somewhere inside the courage and the power not just to move forward, but to make his life even better. So I uh, kind of mentioned before the break how like this was seems like, you know, it's easy to write on some sort of motivational uh, poster or maybe, uh, you know, some sort of like encouraging, inspirational Facebook or Instagram post. But it really seems like there's something more going on here. Can you kind of explain what it is you think you, you had tapped into?
3: Well, so here's the thing there, there's, there's more to it in, in, you know, in in terms of how deep you can go in the concept and the principle, but the principle is it's universal. And that's, in fact, I think my dad, when I explained to him, you know, dad, I live by the five minute rule. He said, I think he's, he set a context where he said, yeah, but Hal this isn't a no sale, right? Like this isn't a a customer that canceled their order, which is what you learned the five minute rule from. I said, dad, you know, you're right. But but again, the principle is universal. Every And here's the lesson. Every negative emotion that we have ever felt in our lives, Justin, or that we could ever feel is self-created. Mm-hmm. And it's self-created based on our resistance to our reality. And another way of saying that is the degree that we wish or want for something to be different that is in the past, it can't be different. Whether it's five minutes, five months, or five years in the past or five decades – if it's in the past and we can't change it, the only way we feel bad about it is the degree that we wish that we could. Go, oh, man, this, I don't deserve this. I'm a good person. And it's to the degree that we push and we fight and we resist the reality. We deem it unfair. That to the degree that we do that is the degree we create emotional pain. And, and I, I, I didn't really understand what I was doing when I did it. But again, with, when you're saying there's more to it, I've, like I read a book called The Power of Now. And he talks about that that every negative emotion is self-created. And I didn't I couldn't have articulated it back then, but that's what I did is when you accept all things you can't change, you live free from emotional pain. And and let me give let me give an example that people can relate to a little bit easier and that is traffic, right? Whenever I give a speech, I always say raise your hand if you don't like traffic and every like every hand goes up, you know. And I go, all right, if this is all you get from my talk today, you're you're you know you get your money's worth. And I say Think about when you, you know, you, let's say, let's imagine we left the house late. We're in the car. We got to be somewhere in a half an hour, but we left 20 minutes late. We're going to, we're like, you know, we're rushing on the freeway and then we hit traffic and you go, Oh God, no, not today. God, no, I can't come on. And we're riding the guy's bumper in front of us. And what I realized, I used to be like that. And then I realized, well, wait a minute, you can't change the traffic, but you can choose how you experience the time you have in that car. And that to me is a metaphor for life. You can't change the things that are in the past or that are out of your control. You can't change someone else, right? But you get to choose whether or not you enjoy every moment of the journey. And what I learned is that even in the most difficult times of your life, you get to choose whether or not you let that define your emotional state or whether or not you choose to be the happiest and the most grateful you've ever been in the most difficult time in your life so and yeah go ahead
1: well i'm just wondering so how how would you because this is i mean this is something that i've i've really noticed in the last few years myself but how would you explain that to someone else who's listening in maybe a practical sense of how because there there are people that you look at them and they're just like they're always happy and life is great they're always winning and then conversely there's the folks who poor me and 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 you're talking about people talk, – speaking of traffic, you're talking about people who it's the end of, the, of their day. It ruins their day if somebody cuts them off in traffic, yet ye, you had a completely different traffic experience and found a different meaning in it. So how does somebody choose – How is is it a discipline? Is there something they can do or – yeah.
3: Yeah, good question. And then that's, uh, you you, you remind me of something that I usually, if I remember to, I always ask people, I say, how many of you are thinking this sounds great, it makes sense logically, but it sounds a hell of a lot easier said than done, right? Right. And everybody everybody raises their hand, they go, no, yeah, totally. And here's what happens with this. So I have these wristbands, um, I used to uh, give them out like to college kids, they say, can't change it. And those are the three words for me that whenever I caught myself any negative emotional state, if like, you think about it, you only get upset over things that you can't change because there are things that just happened. Why would you, you get upset? Because something just happened that you don't want to happen. Could be small, could be big. Right. And so for me, those are the words. I take a deep breath. I say, can't change it now. But here's the thing. Any any shift in thinking is always easier said than done. Right. If somebody has a limiting belief, it could be any limiting belief. You know, um, it, well, you you can't just have someone teach you a new belief and go, oh, yeah, well, shoot, you just solved that problem. I'm never going to think the way I've been thinking for the last 30 years again because you taught me something. Right. So for, I always encourage people, it really does take, it's a habitual, anything takes time and like a 30-day challenge is a great way to do it. And here's how this evolves. At first, the five-minute rule seems too short. People are like, can I get like a five-week rule or at least like a five-hour rule? Like I need to be pissed mm-hmm. off for like come some sort of extended period of time. And, and here's what happens. At first, five minutes feels too short. And what we were taught when I was in, in my sales training was literally set your timer on your phone for five minutes, when you when something bad happens, right, and then that way you have a timer, and you have five minutes to bitch, moan, complain, cry, like whatever you got to do, get it out, and get it out, right, punch something, whatever, and then after the five minutes is up, you take a deep breath, you say can't change it, and here's what happens: the first few times, maybe even the first ten days, it'll feel like it's not enough time, but you're shifting your mindset, you're starting to realize, okay, well I can't change it, so what can I change, or what can I focus on, or what can I control? That's what I'm gonna put my energy into. And here's what happens, after a few weeks of this, it's kinda crazy, but you set your timer for five minutes after you've been doing this for a few weeks, and you'll go, oh, I'm so, I can't believe this happened, son of a, you know, gosh darn it. And then you pick up your phone and look at your timer, and you go, okay, it's only been 30 seconds. Um, I guess I need to be upset for another four and a half minutes. And I mean, literally, and you start to see how you get the choice. You're like, it's almost like now you have to make your. You're like, well, I don't want to be upset for four and a half minutes. I'd rather spend that time focusing on the solution than dwelling on the problem. You know, and that really is how it is. So so while at first it's difficult, any change in thinking is difficult. It gets easier and easier until it becomes second nature where you don't have to think about it. Something bad happens. You won't, you won't even spend five minutes. You'll spend five seconds to go, gosh, darn it. Oh, well can't change it. Might as well. I'm not going to dwell on it. What can I change? What can I focus on? What can I control? And I can't tell you how many thousands of people have emailed me and told me this has changed their life. In fact, I've had, um, I'll I'll just share this. I've had, I think it's nine people now that have tattooed the words can't change it permanently into their body on their wrist or their shoulder. And, I just have to tell you this one one example. This this girl, she was 19 years old, and she sent me an email that literally put me in tears. She said, "Hal, I saw you speak a week ago at my college. This was back when I spoke at at, you know mostly at colleges." And she said, "Um, "You you really impacted me with that philosophy about the five minute rule and can't change it and acceptance, and you made me realize um, the last 10 years." I've been depressed and angry and sad. And I've tried to kill myself twice because my dad died when I was nine years old. And she said, I've spent the last 10 years, again, suicidal. I've been on depression medication. I've been in and out of therapy. And she said, and I thought it was because my dad died. I thought it was because my dad passed away. And that's what, you know, I, 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 I justified. Of course, I'm sad and depressed and angry. My dad died when I was nine. I have every right to be. And they, of course, nobody argued with me. They said, yeah, shoot, you know, poor you. And she said, I thought he, his death was the reason I was depressed. But I, you, after you t- shared the lesson, you made me realize that it wasn't my dad's death that caused me to feel depressed for the last 10 years. It's the fact that I wasn't willing to accept that he was dead it, because I thought it wasn't fair. And she said, the last week since I heard your message, and I got he, she got my little can't change it wristband, she said, it's the first week I've been happy in 10 years. And I wanted a permanent reminder of those three words to remind me that Whenever I think of my dad's death, I'm not going to feel depressed or suicidal. I'm going to smile because I can't change that he's gone, but I also can't change who I am because I was his daughter. And I'm going to be grateful for that instead of depressed that I'm not going to see him again. And so that to me, it put me in tears because I realized that that philosophy of acceptance, the five minute rule can't change it, whether it was traffic or losing arguably the most important person in your life. Those three words give you they're the key to unlock the door to emotional freedom. And and it's universal, no matter how minor or major a tragedy or an adversity is that we're facing.
1: Okay, great tip. I want to pause for a second. Another great place to go ahead and take a break here. When we come back, um, I want you to tell us, if you can, you know, the key as we talk about living on purpose, we talk about turning tragedy into triumph. How do you get to that point? How do you we've recognized okay so so maybe this thing isn't as bad. Now how do we move in the key in the transition there from moving from pain to purpose? We'll talk about that when we come back with Hal Elrod, author of the Miracle Morning. It's Justin Barkley. This is on purpose.
0: This is On Purpose with Justin Barclay on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss The Morning Blaze with Doc and Skip.
3: The people who are in Gitmo are bad.
0: Uh, They're misunderstood.
3: No, not misunderstood. These are terrorists. They're in Guantanamo for a reason. Well, kind of terrorists. No, they are absolute terrorists. They were... caught. No,
0: not sort of, not kind of. These are terrorists. Let's just say not good guys. No, they're terrorists. They're effing scumbag terrorists. The Morning Blaze with Doc and Skip skip weekday morning 6 to 9 eastern on the blaze radio network this is on purpose with Justin Barclay on the blaze radio network
1: welcome back to on purpose it's Justin Barclay with Hal Elrod author of best selling books Miracle Morning and Taking Life Head on the story of his a tragic car accident that really turned his entire life around. And we're talking about how he found purpose in his pain, how he turned that tragedy into triumph. How do you make the transition can out? Can you give us some insight into how we, we can do that in our, in our own lives once we've started to sort of recognize you know, where we are?
3: So yeah, initially it was, I was in the hospital and you know, you know, the adage, everything happens for a reason, right? We've all heard that before. Most people buy into that or they kind of think along those lines and some people, you know, they don't buy it at all. They go, everything is a chance and yada, yada, yada. So I'll share a perspective with, with you that I think everyone can kind of get on the same page with, even if you're like, I don't believe everything happens for a reason or I do, um, This is a slight twist. The way that most of us have been conditioned to think about everything happens for a reason is that the reason is predetermined. Like we're supposed to figure it out. And some people, you know, they plead to God, why did this happen? Or they talk to other people like, why did this? I'm a good person. I don't deserve this. Why did this happen to me? Right. They're searching for the reason. And what I've found, and this is just my opinion. I don't claim to know it all, but um, everything happens for a reason. However, it is 100% our responsibility to choose the reason. Not to ask God or to figure it out, and if that if somebody else can help us figure this out, that's great. But I believe it's our responsibility to choose the reason. We get to create the reason. We get to make up the reason. And for me, I decided in the hospital, I have I don't I don't even know you know this call it divine intervention, but I thought I have a responsibility to take this adversity head on. So that I can inspire and empower other people to do the same. And, and I really felt it's weird. I don't I don't you know, I, mean, I was pretty young, but I felt this sense of global responsibility, like the way that I approach this recovery sets the example for every person I will ever impact, including my ch- future children and wife. My family, my friends, right now that see how I take this on. I thought so, and I really believe that we all have a responsibility not just to ourselves, but to every person who whose life we're affiliated with, because the way we live our lives gives them permission to do the same. And so, I took on that responsibility, and I've I've kind of had that ever since. I thought I have a responsibility to live my life in the way that will inspire other people and empower them to do the same. So I feel like I've got to go after my dreams so that my kids learn how to, what it means to go after your dreams. I feel like I have to, not that I have to, but I choose to do all these things. I don't have to, I choose to donate, you know, money to charity because I want to set that example for my kids and for just for other people that are like, wow, it's not about making a bunch of money just to make it. You should contribute to those that are less fortunate. Again, it's my opinion. I, I would never tell someone that that's wrong or right. But in my, you know, so for me, I view it as our purpose is to live to our full potential and become the best versions of ourselves so that we can then make the biggest contribution to those we care about, you know, and the world at large.
1: I'm with you on that. I feel like the meaning of life is to go through things, to experience them, to be the student, so then you can turn around and share that and, and teach that with other people. But I also have to play devil's advocate here. Yeah, please. Like, I got I to gotta be that guy, because I'm a pretty positive dude, right? And for the most part, um, I had the same sort of experiences when I went through something a few years back, where I lost my dream job and... I came home and I had this piece and my wife was like, you should be yelling and throwing things. I'm like, no, I mean, there's something bigger, something better is going to happen. So I want to, I want to be the guy because I, I'm like on the same page with you, but I want to be the guy who says, come on Al, cause I know there's somebody listening to this, right? Come yeah. on. You're telling me you don't have, you don't even have a bad day. How you don't have any bad days at all.
3: Yeah, no, no, that's not true at all. Yeah. And I, I should, I'm glad you asked that. Um, no, I mean, I have, I wake up depressed sometimes for no reason. Like, you know, I don't know if it's biology or hormones or what I ate the night before. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, I mean, I, you know, I face a hell of a lot of adversity. In fact, let's, let's transition because this is, I I want, you know, there's some, you know, there's some mindset stuff we've talked about, but I want people to walk away with arguably the greatest value that I can, that I can add. And, um, the, so, so fast forward eight years after my car accident, um, I was so I was like 27, I think. And um, I had hit Hall of Fame with my company. So that was a big kind of, okay, wow, I can move on now. And I, I wanted to be, as I mentioned, a professional speaker. I also felt a sense of responsibility to write a book, which I wrote in 2006, called Taking Life Head On. And it was sharing everything I just talked about in a you know much more detailed uh, fashion, um, and then uh, and then I, I also launched a coaching business because I had hired a coach and he changed my life. And I thought I want to do that for other people, so that's where I was. And, and in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, I had um, I had bought my first house, brand new house. So I was, things were going well. Bought a you know bought like my a little sports car. Met the woman of my dreams. I was five point seven percent body fat. I was in the best shape of my life at that time in my life. I was I was still on the whole. I have a responsibility to fulfill my potential. And again, it was across the board. It wasn't just, you know, be successful. It was like, I've got to be healthy so that I can inspire other people to be healthy, right? So when the economy crashed in 2008, I went from being on top of the world to uh, losing, you know, not everything but most things. I mean, I, it started with I lost over half of my coaching clients because I couldn't uh, – they couldn't afford me because of their you know, economic situation. Uh, companies stopped booking speakers because their, their budget dried up. Uh, I lost over half my income, I lost my house back to the bank, Uh, I I quit, I canceled my gym membership and I just worked from morning until night, I went from 5.7% body fat to 17% body fat. Uh, It was a six month downward spiral of, uh, I went from being debt free to having $53,000 on my personal credit card and I went from being happy, uh, go lucky and positive to deeply, deeply, deeply depressed um, to where I thought of suicide. I never would have done it just because what my mom and I, I, I couldn't have done it to my mom and dad after what they had been through with me with the car accident. But I, I didn't want to get out of bed. I hated my life. And the challenge was this. I used the five minute rule. I used the can't change of philosophy and I accepted everything I couldn't change. And then uh, it got worse. And then I would go, OK, this is my new low. Um, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm going to be optimistic from here. I'm going to read some books. I'm going to figure this out then it got worse. And it was like, I didn't know how to handle quicksand. If you, you know what I mean? Like I knew how to accept like, okay, I was in a car accident and let the healing begin. Right. And it was only going to get better, but I didn't know how to handle. I wasn't equipped to handle this uh, situation. I didn't know how to, where I accepted it and then it got worse Then I accepted it. And then it got worse than I, and it was literally like a six month Downward spiral of it got worse and worse and worse and worse. Physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, in every way, I got lower every day. And what ended up happening, the way I turned this all around, is it was a series of conversations with my my best friend John Burgoff, one of my closest friends, and I was asking him for advice. I go, John, I need to turn this around, man. Give me some business advice. And he said, Hal, you don't need business advice. I said, okay, well, what do I do? He goes, are you exercising every day? I said, dude, I could barely get out of bed in the morning. No, I'm not. I canceled the gym membership. I can't even afford it. And he goes, okay, well, you have running shoes, right? I said, I have basketball shoes. He said, okay, if I were you, every morning, go for a run, a jog, a walk, get some fresh air, and most importantly, get the blood and oxygen flowing to your brain and release the endorphins so that you think clearer and you feel better first thing in the morning. I said, okay, what else? He said, while you're on that run, and he said two things. While you're on that run, listen to an audiobook on getting clients or building your business or whatever you need to improve your situation while you're in a peak state, not while you're sitting in your office feeling depressed and feeling hopeless. He said, put yourself in a peak physical, mental, and emotional state. Then learn what you need to learn to turn your situation around. And I was really resistant. I said, John, I hate running. What else could I do? And he said, what do you hate worse running or your circumstances right now? And I was like, you know, I I gave him like I flipped him off over the phone, you know, (laughs) and I was like, all right, screw you. I'll go for a run. And so the next morning I went for a run. And that was the morning that my entire life changed from one single quote. And luckily, it was two minutes into my run because I hated running. I turned around and went home. (laughs) But here's the quote from Jim Rohn. And this literally, Justin, it's not an exaggeration to say this quote was the catalyst to turn my life around faster than I ever thought possible. Jim Rohn said, your level of success will seldom exceed your level of personal development. Hmm. And then he went on the second part of the quote. He said, because success is something you attract by the person you become. Yeah. And in that moment, I realized I'm not dedicating time every day to my personal development, and therefore, I'm not becoming the person that I need to become to create the success I want in my life. And I ran home with this like this kind of epiphany. I thought, wait a minute. I'm going to go figure out what the world's most successful people do every day for personal development, and I'm going to do the number one most proven effective practice. But after an hour online, I couldn't get it narrowed down to less than six. There were six practices, and it depended on which person, which millionaire or billionaire or CEO or philanthropist or celebrity or whatever, which one you asked. In any one of these six, people swore by. And that was when the ultimate breakthrough happened. I thought, wait a minute. What if I did all of these? Not a single person that I've researched does more than two or three at the most, What if I did the six most powerful proven personal development practices known to man? And I woke up the next morning, I did all six of them. And to kind of wrap the story up with a a little bow, it was less than two months of doing this practice, which by the way, it wasn't called, there was no name. It was personal development in my schedule at 5 a.m. It wasn't called the miracle morning, which is what the book is called. Um, it, it, It wasn't going to be a book, but in less than two months of doing these six practices, I more than doubled my income. And this, by the way, these are common results now. I won't even, if we get to it later, we can get to it. But um, when I, I don't even tell people, unless I'm asked, like the results that people get from doing the Miracle Morning after they read the book, because it sounds like an infomercial. Literally, you're like, this guy (laughs) lost 70 pounds in five months. This guy tripled his income. And I mean, that's what it is. So, but for me, I doubled my income in two months. I went from being in the worst shape of my life, having never run more than a mile to running 52 mile, I decided to commit to an ultra marathon to raise money for my favorite charity, which is 52 miles in one day. Wow. And with uh, two months into it, I was training for it and I, I completed it five months later. And last but not least, I went from being deeply depressed, it didn't take two months, it was day one that I went from feeling hopeless to like, if I start every day like this with this much energy and clarity and motivation and with the knowledge I'm gaining on the topics I need to improve, it's only a matter of time. Before I turn my life around, so my depression was gone because when you have an exciting, compelling future, and you have hope, there is no depression right they They, they kind of counteract each other
1: so I want to ask you about those six things and uh, get in detail maybe some practical steps, but I gotta again play devil 's advocate here because somebody's listening, I know it, thinking, oh good, I am not a morning person. How do I get any of this energy to do any of these things? To even start to think about doing any of these things? So uh, I want answers, Hal. And when we come back, we'll we'll get just that. Hang on, right back after this. Hal Elrod, author of The Miracle Morning and Life Head On. We talk more with him next. This is Justin Barkley on Purpose.
0: Extraordinary stories of ordinary heroes. This is On Purpose with Justin Barclay on the Blaze Radio Network. The Jeff Fisher Show.
2: Hopefully we're smart enough not to let the robots take over. (laughs) I know. I made myself laugh. You know that's not going to happen as well as I do. Sooner or later the robot says, "Um, you suck. You're stupid. I'm going to take over. Got it? I mean, that just changes everything
0: the jeff fisher show saturday morning 6 to 8 eastern on the blaze radio network extraordinary stories of ordinary heroes this is on purpose with justin barclay on the blaze radio network
1: Welcome back to On Purpose. Justin Barkley interviewing Hal Elrod here today, the author of The Miracle Morning and, of course, his book, Life Head On, that talks about the tragic accident he went through uh, years ago that led him, of course, from being like in a hospital bed thinking he'll never walk again to walking onto stages, speaking in front of thousands of people, and sharing the story and inspiration making a big impact and a major difference in people's lives. But how I got to ask you, cause I'm the devil's advocate guy and I got to ask you the hard question. You know, you, you, we talk a lot about the, this motivation, this positivity. Um, how do you even begin to start to think about turning your life around and getting up and doing all these great things in the morning? If you're not even a morning person, you can't even think about having the energy to do any of that stuff. <laughs>
3: It's a good question because with a book called The Miracle Morning, I think that someone that's not a morning person and that they like are scared of it or they've tried yeah. it and they've failed. <laughs> like their first thought is like, they're like, no, nope, I'm not going to buy that book. <laughs> where, Where's a book. I want the get rich quick book. Like I want the book where you can wake up at noon, yeah. work for a few hours, right? That's what people want. You know, that's what, that's what sells usually. Um, but so here's what I would say. I would say a few things. We sold just over a hundred thousand copies of the miracle morning. Last month was our, we, we crossed a hundred thousand. So it was a big milestone, right? Um, Of those people, I've surveyed my audience and I have 65,000 of those people on my email list. So I've surveyed them and I asked them how many of you were already a morning person when you discovered the miracle morning and you read the book and how many of you have never in your life been a morning person, even if you've tried good question and Yeah. And I really didn't. I literally was like, I have no idea. Like, you know, I I don't know. Um, It was 72 percent said I had never in my life been or been able to become a morning person. And Mm -hmm. now I wake up every day at whatever, 6 a.m., 5 a.m., whatever. And what started The Miracle Morning like to be a book, because originally it was for me. And then one of my coaching clients at the time said, Hal, I keep hearing how successful people swear by their morning ritual. Like, do Mm. you have one? And I was like a month into it. I'm like, oh, my gosh, do I ever let me, you know, I'm like chomping at the bit to tell him. And I tell her and she goes, "Ah, I'm not a morning person, though, you know, and I gave her (laughs) I gave her a few tips. And a week later, she goes, Hal, not only did I wake up an hour earlier like you told me to after three days, I got up two hours earlier because it was so good. And that's the common thing. So, there's an entire chapter in the book that's dedicated to how to beat this snooze button and become a morning person if you've never been one in your entire life. So and I think give me that's a couple. Main... Give me a couple things that they can so do. So, yeah, number one, set your intention before bed. Uh, so, think about this. Your first thought in the morning is almost always your last thought before bed. If you go to bed going, Oh my God, I got to wake up in six hours, yeah. then the alarm goes off and you're like, Oh my God, it's already been six hours. <laughs> right. But l- let me ask you a question Did you celebrate Christmas as a kid growing up?
1: Oh, absolutely.
3: Was it hard to wake up in the morning? No, it was easy. No, because you went to bed, what? Excited. Ready for it. About waking up. And so when the alarm went off, or you didn't even wait for the alarm, as soon as your eyes opened, your last thought before bed was, oh my gosh, I can't wait to wake up in the morning. Right. And I had a profound realization, which is we're in control of our reality and Uh we can create that experience every day. By setting our intentions before bed. So in the book, I give you a bedtime affirmation, which is word for word what to read to yourself before bed mm. so that you wake up excited. Mm. Second tip, if you've got to move your alarm clock across the room, <laughs> most people keep their alarm clock within arm's reach. And when you it goes off, you're still like 80 percent asleep yeah. when you make that decision. What should I do right now? No. Hmm, I'm going to turn off my alarm or this snooze. <laughs> when the alarm clock's across the room, you go from being 80% asleep to being 80% awake by the time you've, you might still be tired, but you're a- across the room standing up, breathing. And then step three, you go straight from there to the bathroom sink. You brush your teeth. You wash your face that's step three. And step four, one of the most important steps that's very under, like people, it seems like common sense when you hear it in a second, but most people don't do it. Let me ask you a question. What's the first thing, Justin, that people usually drink in the morning?
1: Oh, coffee. Yeah.
3: Coffee. Now we, we if you slept for six, seven, eight hours, you are dehydrated by default. We all mm-hmm. are. Yeah. You, you haven't had any water. So the first thing in the morning I do is I brush my teeth and I drink, I literally pound a full glass of water. Like I was a, like a college kid at a keg party. Like I just pound it. Right. And I rehydrate. Then I go make my coffee. So you've got to rehydrate because dehydration and fatigue are, you know, they go hand in hand. If you're dehydrated, you feel tired. So those are a few of the, of the steps and those make it so that it's easy to wake up. Like you follow those steps. There you could do them while you're half asleep and by the time you're done with step five, you're like, oh, I actually am pretty awake now and I can you know it's not hard to wake up anymore.
1: So I know, you know, obviously the book I recommend. I've I've read and, and I've been using these principles and I used to hate getting up and a matter of fact I did it for years I was morning radio morning DJ so you know I'm up at three o'clock in the morning and the life was just crazy and and you would wake up thinking I can't wait till my nap <laughs> and that's not a way you want to wake up you know but yeah I, I I will say that when you apply these principles and you you choose to wake up differently there's a great saying and one of the one of the guys is like a general in the army i can't remember his name was saying that they're saying is if you win the morning you'll win the day
3: that's ex- i say that all the time and i yeah know i know i got it from somewhere <laughs> so
1: so can you give us real quickly maybe the six that are in the book and and i want to encourage people to go get it too
3: Yeah. Yeah. These six practices are, they're nothing new. You know, I think we're conditioned our society to look for like the new cutting edge. Oh, I never heard of that before. It's a new app or whatever. And I almost dismissed them because they were nothing new. What makes him so special? In fact, um, you ever heard of the book, rich dad, poor dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if you heard me or or talk about this, but he reached out to me a few months ago and told me he's read the miracle morning three times. He was on day 60 and it's completely changed his life. Wow! this is a guy worth $80 million. And whenever I speak now, I always say, if you're wondering if this applies to you, well, (laughs) only if you're in between rock bottom where I was when I started it and $80 million net worth in that range, it (laughs) applies. Um, But Robert Kiyosaki said, so so I'll go through them. So the S is for silence. So starting your day with purposeful silence, and that is meditation or prayer or a combination of both. And if you do any research on meditation, go, you know, just Google, uh, you know, successful people that meditate and once you learn the proven psychological and physiological benefits it lowers stress mm-hmm. it helps you think clearer i mean there's so many benefits like it'd be crazy to not that'd be like kind of like people that will refuse to exercise you're like yeah i don't want to like okay well you're going to suffer the consequence like there's so many benefits you mm-hmm. got to do it right so this S is for silence. Uh, the A is for affirmations. And the way that I teach affirmations is v- in the book is very different than the way they've been taught over the years. People, a lot of these self-help gurus have taught you to affirm a lie until you trick yourself into believing it, right? I am a millionaire, right? I am a millionaire. Mm. But we're smart. Our, our subconscious, f- go always the truth will always prevail. So it goes, no, you're not. No, you're lying. No, you're not, right? You yeah. can't trick yourself. So I teach you to create affirmations that are simply aligned with your goals, what you want, why you want it, why is it important to you, what specifically must you do to virtually guarantee you achieve it, and then when will you schedule time to do those things? When you read that every day, you're not programming yourself or tricking yourself, you're programming your subconscious with specifically what you want, why you want it, and what you need to do. It's it's designed to accelerate how quickly you achieve your goals. Um, The uh, V is for visualization. And we don't have time to go in detail on all these, but the E is for exercise and going back to Robert Kiyosaki, you know, he said, well, Hal, he goes, you know, when I read that, I thought, well, I don't want to exercise in the morning. That was my first thought. He said, I go to the gym in the evening or with, in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. He said, but well, then I got to your point about how you can do it for one minute and just get your heart rate up, gets blood flowing. It only takes a minute of jumping jacks to do that. Mm-hmm. He said, so I exercise for three minutes in the morning. And he goes, it's amazing how much more alert and clear I think. So he said, then I go to the gym in the afternoon. The R in savers is for reading, and reading not like you know 50 Shades of Grey or Harry Potter or whatever. But 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 I mean, books, like I said in the beginning, books on topics, if you wanna improve your marriage, guess what, there's books on there that will help you do that. You wanna make more money, you want whatever you wanna improve, right? There, you're only one book away from learning everything you need to know to achieve anything you want in your life. The final S is for scribing, which is a fancy word for writing, Or journaling. And magic happens when you put pen to paper and you write down, you know, what you're grateful for or, you know, your highest priorities for the day or, you know, whatever, working through some challenges or assessing. your, I give you a whole simple process to journal, but scribing is that final process. And the last thing I'll say on this, Robert Kiyosaki, I'm just going to read something that he wrote. He, he sent me a note. He said, Hal, you can put this in the, in the book. He said, what Hal has done with his acronym SAVERS is taken the best practices developed over centuries of human consciousness development and condensed the best of the best into a daily morning ritual, a ritual that is now part of my day. Before the miracle morning, most successful people do one of the SAVERS, but until Hal packaged the SAVERS themselves, no one was doing all six ancient best practices every morning. And the last thing he said is, Going through sabers every morning is like pumping rocket fuel into my mind, body, and spirit before I start my day every day. Mm. So that's what makes it special is if you do any one of these, it'll change your life. Do all six of them and get ready for it to happen faster than you even imagine possible.
1: It's all about living life on purpose and setting yourself up for the win in the morning, laying that intention. And and with your process, it goes even further back to the the night before when you go to bed is so powerful. I want to thank you for sharing time with us, Hal. Uh, thank you for sharing your story. It, it is an, it's it's an incredibly inspiring. Um, I know folks want to maybe reach out and get in touch with you if they're hearing this, or they want to learn more about what you're doing, or maybe even pick up a couple of your books. What's the best way for them to get in touch?
3: Yeah. So the best place to get the book is on Amazon. If you want to get, you know, audiobook, Kindle, um, a paperback, you can get that on Amazon for the miracle morning. Um, the best place to, you know, if you're an iBooks user, like an iPhone or you know, iPad, you can get iBooks, they have it on there too. Um, best place to get in touch with me or learn about, you know, my live event or, you know, whatever, any other thing that I do speaking, coaching, um, halelrod.com H A L E L R O D. And then I want to put one last kind of invitation out there, if you will. Um, If you're on Facebook, I I created this Facebook group. I don't know if you've seen this, Justin, but I created this Facebook group called the Miracle Morning Community. And it was like an 11th hour. A friend of mine was like, hey, you should create some sort of community where people can engage and support each other on this journey because they're going to be lonely at, you know, six in the morning or whatever, five in the morning. And I created it I had no idea of what it would become. We have 23,000 members mm-hmm. from all around the world, and it has become the most engaged, supportive, and even vulnerable. Like, people are just so helpful for each other, um, community ever, community that I've ever seen. So uh, the Miracle Morning community, it's on Facebook. I encourage you, even before you, you know, read the book or whatever, join the community. And that's a great place where you see all those infomercial sounding stories like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe how many people <laughs> are. It just gives you confidence. You're like, wow, if all these regular people could have these kind of crazy results, you know, then, then shoot, why not me? You know, why not me?
1: Hal Elrod, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it, man.
3: Hey, Justin, dude, it's my my honor and my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.
1: All right, so there it is. The first episode of On Purpose. What a privilege. What an honor. How cool this was and what you can expect in the weeks to come is just going to be an amazing journey, a ride, and I am so ready to take that with you. By the way, if you'd like to get the full show notes, just go on over to justinbarclay.com slash purpose 001, and you can get links to everything that uh, Hal talked about, to his books and other great resources. Plus, you can get the transcript for the show. Until next week, here's to you. Cheers
0: to your life on purpose. Ordinary heroes walk among us every day. These are their stories. On Purpose with Justin Barclay on the Blaze Radio Network.